Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, Luke is back. That's the biggest news. Um, after back-to-back episodes without Luke, he has decided to return with an extra-large cup of scotch with him. Anyway, uh, last episode, we had Rain Hernandez, and the episode before, we had the Nick and I were talking about the class action lawsuit in the CHL, but today, since we haven't done this yet, actually since the beginning of the school year, we're going to look at our standings. Uh, the ones we predicted back in October, our awards, the one we predicted back in October, and then reflect on them, and then our awards finalized. And um, from what I understand, Nick looked back at the episode, or listened back rather at the episode from earlier this year, where we picked our Norris winners, our Calder winners, and I'm assuming we have some doozies because I have a feeling that none of them are what they are now. So um, without further ado, I'm going to hand the floor over to Nick, who will sort of take it over from here. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to look particularly smart after this. This is always the uh, challenging thing to look back. There were uh, there were some interesting things said in the span of the two episodes that we sort of did all the predictions. Um, I'll start with Pat's standings, standings in quotations, because if you listen back to that episode, we were not very organized. And Pat actually at no point ever gave a one, two, three in <laughs> wild cards for any of the things. He sort of just gave a quick powwow and thoughts on a few of the contending teams, and that was about it. Um, some notable things from Patrick that I was able to get out of him. He did give his one, two, three for the Atlantic, which was Tampa Bay, Boston, and the Toronto Maple Leafs, fairly close to what it actually is. And uh, he did go out on the limb to say that the Montreal Canadiens would be a wild card team. And as we know now, uh, they technically are in the play ins, but that one was pretty far off. Uh, most notably, Patrick claimed that Montreal would steal the wild card from Carolina because their power play was clicking and the Montreal Canadiens had four second lines. So that was a bit on the hot, takey <laughs> side. <laughs> Pat, your thoughts on that one? The first four second lines, right? I don't want to talk about it. Um, I... I think there's a little bit of truth to what I said there um, in the, in the sense that it was a snail's pick. It was no, 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 no. And Montreal could have still won the wild card. Let's not forget how, how long it took Tampa and Florida to get their stuff together. So in that regards, but I do remember that day I didn't make it to the first show for whatever reason. And then I thought we were just talking about like which teams could do well. Um, I didn't actually have a list put together, so a little embarrassing on my part. So, uh, you know, I take full responsibility for those foolish predictions. Yeah, they were, they were interesting. Uh, you were sort of hyping up Carey Price. I wasn't, I wasn't really understanding that one. But you know what? Uh, you're probably going to look decently smart at the end of all this because you didn't make the full predictions like Luke and I did. So you get sort of a benefit there almost. I got I playing the long game. He knew what was going down. Yeah, I knew what was happening. All right, I will hop over to Luke, who in the Atlantic Division said Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto. In the Metro, he went with Washington, Carolina, and Pittsburgh. And for wildcard teams, and this is where Luke's first spicy take happened, he said New Jersey and Florida <laughs> would be the wildcard teams. Now, New Jersey was one of those teams in the offseason that everybody really said New Jersey won the offseason. They did have a really good sort of time in between the seasons there bringing in P.K. Subban. They won the draft lottery, drafted Jack Hughes. We were all expecting a lot from him. Luke? I I don't blame myself for the Florida pick, honestly. No, um, not at all. Yeah, I, I would – I mean, obviously, I wouldn't do it again, but, like, I stand by that. I don't know. The New Jersey. No, okay, you know what? I also had – I was high on New Jersey, too, because they had – they won the lottery. P.K. Subban joined. Wayne Simmons yeah. joined another one. Everyone kind of thought – plus, they were in the playoffs before – and Taylor Hall had an amazing season, and he obviously struggled. I don't think that's that bad of a take, to be honest, because I think a lot of – Everything we thought that was really good for them turned out to kind of be – I mean, Hughes is good, sure. He's not what everyone expected him to be. He's not like his brother, if you ask me. And then Subban <laughs> sucks. Like, Subban is terrible. Well, off year. Yeah, P.K. Subban did not have a good year, did not have the impact that Devils fans were hoping for. And, Luke, I don't blame you for Florida because – I can't because we'll, we'll get to that when I make a when I read out my predictions. Um, in the Western Conference, Luke went with Dallas, Nashville, and St. Louis in that order. 
and then the Pacific Division, Vegas, Calgary, and then Vancouver. And in the wild card, he said Colorado and Minnesota. I think the one that really jumps out there is that you probably underestimated Colorado quite a bit. Yeah, and you know, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think when I said Vancouver, either it was the initial reaction during the show or from people that listened back, and they're all like, you really picked Vancouver over San Jose. And I chirped you a lot on the air when you said Vancouver over San Jose. I will take full responsibility for that. I wish we could play those clips right now because so, I was I was pretty mean about that one, but Colorado. you were right. I said I said Colorado. It's not like I left them out, so it's good enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so we will hop over to my predictions. I went with Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Florida in the Atlantic, and. Carolina, Washington, Philadelphia in the Metropolitan. And my wildcard teams were the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Rangers. Notable admission, the Boston Bruins, who won the President's Trophy. <laughs> Can I ask why? Why no Boston? Uh, I think at the time I was expecting sort of a fall off because, you know, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, and Brad Marchand were all a year older. I was sort of expecting them to sort of decline a little bit and – I was really unsure about that team, whereas Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Florida all seemed like sure things for me, and that undoubtedly blew up in my face. Uh, I like that I picked the New York Rangers to sneak into the playoffs because they had, a again, a sneaky good year and looked like they were going to get in there towards the end of the season based on th how things were going for them. So that one's not bad. In the Central Division, I had Nashville winning it, which looks bad now too. Colorado and St. Louis. And then in the Pacific, I had Vegas, Calgary, and the San Jose Sharks. That is the third worst team in the NHL, San Jose Sharks. And in the wild card, I had the Dallas Stars and Chicago Blackhawks. And the Chicago Blackhawks, again, were another team that really disappointed this year after a decent offseason. I don't know. Anybody have thoughts on that? It's actually not bad. I mean, I, I, I don't really, I can't really say anything. I didn't make any standings, but I think for the most part, that's okay. The only one I was kind of surprised at was Boston, but. Again, I think it's fine. Who'd you, what were your Pacific again? Vegas, Calgary, and San Jose. What were your wild card? It was Chicago. Dallas and Chicago. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody could have predicted San Jose falling off the way they did. I, I don't think any of us really thought that. But That works in your favor, obviously. As a yeah, well, we see the draft lottery now, and it worked in the favor of the Ottawa Senators big time. All right, that being said, haha, we're all dumb, but just wait for this. We're now going to get into our NHL award predictions. So I will read out all of our picks for the individual awards, and then we can all go through who we now think is going to win. Does that sound good, guys? Let me just reach down here, grab my paper. All right, first we're going to start with uh, awards that have already been handed out. The Rocket Richard Trophy. Luke and Pat both went with Alexander Ovechkin. I went with Austin Matthews. And the trophy was won by David Pasternak, I believe. Yes. I thought they – didn't weren't they going to talk about keeping it tied, though? I thought they tied for it, didn't they? Yeah, they tied oh, for it. So it is a tie. Okay. I thought they had given it to Pasternak. My bad. Art Ross trophy. We all said Connor McDavid. It was his Edmonton teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, that ended up winning that. I don't think a lot of us saw that coming, but Leon Draisaitl had an excellent year offensively, and he racked up quite a few points on the way. Uh, we'll now get into the Hart Trophy, and this is where we can all start to give our picks now. Uh, Luke and Patrick both went with Connor McDavid. First dummy of the day is me. I went with Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers. <laughs> I said the Panthers were going to be better. I was adamant about that. I thought he was going to thrive under Joel Quenville. Uh, yikes. Big time yikes on that one. Yeah, everyone thought, okay, everyone's looking back at their Florida predictions, but everyone had Florida. Everyone was banking on Florida to be the team, getting Quenville, getting Bobrovsky, and having another year of Barkov and Huberto and Hoffman, Dadnov, all the players they have. People were expecting them to do big things. And the biggest disappointment was Bobrovsky. That's why you can't bank so much on a goalie. But I don't think that's like a laughable take uh, by any by any means. But um, 
I think it's fine. All right. So, Luke, I'll start with you then. Who do you now have, having seen 70 games of the regular season before the pause, who do you have winning this year's Hart Trophy? Okay, so um, we can probably go back to last year's episode when we did this, and I most likely brought up the definition of Hart Trophy. You you read it out again yeah, I before. And I, and I probably did it in the fall when we made predictions too. Yeah. But um, I will say Panarin. But I would also say Eichel. But I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, okay. Wait, this I go the close runner up. Fair, okay. Patrick. For you, okay. I I was uh, I remember a conversation where I thought you said Drysital because I thought you were looking at points last time. We had a debate last time. I think it was about Nikita Kucherov, yeah. and I'm not sure where everyone stood about how valuable he. Someone was saying Nikita Kucherov, and I think I was saying McDavid because if you take Kucherov away. Tampa's not as good, but they're still a good team. Yeah, Kucherov is surrounded, like what? He put up a million points. He's surrounded by, last year, he's surrounded by Talon. And then McDavid, I would generally, I might have answered McDavid, but then injury troubles and then Dreisaitl was so good. So, um, you know, the Rangers, a team like that, and then for Panarin to do what he did, and then Eichel, obviously, I think goes without saying. Okay, before I go into mine, I was expecting one of you to say Dreisaitl, so I prepared a little, prepared a little comparison, <laughs> but I guess that's going to be a debate that's not had. So, um, we can have yourself. Okay, well, I would just like to say that if you're casting, and I need the floor for about a minute, if you're casting a heart ballot and it doesn't have Artemi Panarin, you have to rethink your decision because, like, like we said, it's about who's the most valuable to their team. So, give me a second. With Panarin on the ice, I got some statistics here. The Rangers have a five-on-five goals for percentage of 66%. That means like two out of every three five-on-five goals scored, goal goal is scored when Panarin is on the ice. And when he's off the ice, that went down to 41%. Uh, He finished actually with more even strength points than Dreisaitl and more five-on-five points as well. He was on point, on pace for, it's hard to tell, but roughly 120 points. Um... 42% 42% of his points, or he has points on 42% of New York's goals. Um, New York is nowhere even close to being a play, playoff team without him. And I think for everyone who's sort of banking on Dreisaitl to be the winner of the heart, um, Dreisaitl was surrounded by better talent for most of the year. Artemi Perrin was playing with Ryan Strom and Jesper Fast. That's not even close to being McDavid or Nugent Hopkins. So um, he also has the edge over Dreisaitl in goals per 60, points per 60, and assists per 60. So I think uh, Panarin, I like how now he's starting to get some more recognition, but I think... Is this your long-winded way of saying Artemi Panarin should win the Hart Trophy? Yep. Good. Uh, I also said Artemi Panarin should win the Hart Trophy. I had McKinnon right there, and... I had to put Dreisaitl sort of in that conversation just because of the points. Again, I went with Kucherov last year, and I do think uh, the point scoring and the goal scoring matters a little bit. So I think I still I still do think Artemi Panarin is the most deserving this year, not even just because of how important he was strictly to the Rangers. I think Artemi Panarin just statistically was one of the most efficient forwards in the NHL this season in general. So I would put him right there in that conversation. I agree. I think, I think if Eichel wins, I wouldn't complain. I, he's, I don't think he's going to, but if he won, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Voters tend to shift towards teams that are in the playoffs, but somebody like Eichel is very deserving because he was dominant this year. Yeah. We'll move on now to the Selkie trophy Uh, in the, Preseason, Luke said Patrice Bergeron, and Patrick and I both went with Alexander Barkov. That name pops up again. Who would you guys go with now? I'll start again with Luke. Uh, I have Couturier. Um, I think, again, I don't really need to explain that. I uh, My Bergeron pick, I think, I, like, that's been a safe pick for, like, almost 10 years For a now. decade, yeah. Um. But, yeah, uh, Couturier, I, I mean, all of, all of Philadelphia has kind of been a nice surprise. Um, close runner-up, I had O'Reilly. Well, not as close as Eichel to Panarin, but close. And then um, I will admit, I, I looked at Deneau briefly, and then I stopped. 
didn't consider it, but I, I did look at it. Uh, Patrick, for you? Um, I went with Anthony Sorelli, uh, someone who I think is arguably the most underrated player uh, in the entire league. Um, just 22 years old, 22 years old out of steal of a contract. I know he's going to be an RFA at the end of the year, but like 780K. Um, he, his five on five impact is insane. Um, the amount of goals for when he's on the ice, despite getting so much defensive assignments, unreal. Uh, his takeaway statistics, um, Tampa's save percentage when he's on the ice compared to when he's not on the ice. So I think for basically every metric, Sorelli takes the edge. But again, my, my close second was Sean Couturier. Uh, in Philadelphia as well so um, but yeah I think I think eventually you're going to start to see Anthony Sorelli get a bit more uh, a bit more uh, praise 44 points this year and 68 games did he have one past preseason prediction was Alexander Barkov right 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 so I don't know for that reason Anthony Sorelli and I hope going forward he gets more recognition because he really is underrated and I think in the next five years he can be the best two-way player in the league RFA this year, definitely want to watch. Uh, for me, I went with Ryan O'Reilly. I know Luke mentioned him. This would make him a two-year straight winner. Again, he was everything for the St. Louis Blues. He penalty kills. He plays on the power play. He's one of the most efficient first-line centers in the league, underratedly, dominant at both ends of the ice. I really like Ryan O'Reilly as a player. Still, somehow, after Conn Smythe win everything, one of the more underrated guys in the league because he's never in that top 10 center conversation. But in my opinion, he belongs right there. I think he was excellent this year. Selkie Trophy, I think, would be very deserving for the second year straight. I will now go into the Norris Trophy. And I know Luke has been waiting for this one. This one? Oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not that delusional. Don't worry. No. It's this this one's pretty normal. It's okay. No, no. I you've been waiting for me to say what my preseason prediction oh. was. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's go. I should pull up the video actually. <laughs> so Luke and Patrick both said Victor Hedman. Safe pick. Good pick. Uh, I went with the wild card all in. Put every chip on the table. Put it in there. Miro Heiskanen of the Dallas Stars. I was expecting good things for Dallas. I thought Ben Bishop was gonna boost his defensive stats and I thought he was going to really excel in a more offensive role with the Dallas Stars this year that obviously didn't happen again nothing against Miro Haskinen I think Miro Haskinen is a great player I think we can all agree on that he's still going to be an excellent player in the league he's only a sophomore but he is nowhere near this conversation so Luke I'll start with you again who do you have as your Norris Trophy winner um I kind of forgot about this guy to be honest like he, uh, it's John Carlson. Um, he, uh, like, I, I totally forgot the first half, few months of the season, he was just electric. Like, I, I totally forgot he, he went on that run. He was, I think, leading the NHL in points for a, for an unusual chunk of time as a defenseman. Um, I mean, there's a num number of other guys, but I, I think – John Carlson, like it's been a while since we've seen like a, like an offensive breakout from a. 1999, I checked. What? For for someone to have that many points that that consistently his first oh. 2000. So, he's mine. Yeah, John Carlson obviously had did have a great year offensively. Pat, you were shaking your head there a bit. Any thoughts on John Carlson and maybe segue that into who you picked for the Norris Trophy? I get it. Um, makes sense having John Carlson because like what he did was actually insane for a defenseman. But as a, and I know we talk about this so much about offense and how you actually play, um, play defense. So Carlson's total is obviously better, but I went with Roman Yossi. Um, we talked about earlier how he signed that massive contract, not the best deal, but uh, first year in his contract, or I guess that'd be next year, but he, he played some pretty exceptional hockey. Um, thank you. This is from Micah Blake uh, McCurdy. I think that's how I'm yeah, saying it. Yeah, hockey biz. So basically when Yossi's on the ice, Nashville is generating a lot more chances than the league average at uh, even strength. Um, Yossi also had an expect a better expected goals than Carlson, and Washington scored basically the same amount of goals with uh, Carlson on, on the ice and off the ice. Um, so like I said, Yossi had a better expected goals for than Carlson and any other uh, Norris finalists. That's including Petrangelo and um, – 
who was the fourth? Uh, Dougie Hamilton, say? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and he's actually the only – John Carlson's actually the only finalist who had an expected goal scored below 50% as well. So, while it's easy to look at – not easy, but, like, while – and it's worth the praise, obviously, the point totals. I think as a, as a two-way defenseman, offense and defense, um, I was critical before of Roman Yossi's play in his own end, more so when Subban and Ekholm were there, because despite what people thought, Subban and Ekholm were playing – the shutdown pair more than Yossi and Ryan Ellis, but I think he's picked up his game defensively. And for that reason, I have Roman Yossi. Yeah. And Pat, to your point on Roman Yossi, I definitely think his play, it's one of the biggest swings. If you take a look at his hockey viz patterns, he's definitely one of the biggest swings that we've seen in a player from one year to the next Mm. in quite a while. So he's definitely deserving of being in that conversation. I know I've had my own thoughts before on his contract and how I've believed Roman Yossi is overrated, but just based on this year alone, I definitely think he deserves to be in that conversation because he had a great year. There's no denying it. He did play tough minutes and scored a lot of points for the Norris trophy. I went different than the both of you again. I went with Alex Petrangelo, the St. Louis blues. This just feels like another, he's due situation and I feel like he's going to get a lot of votes that way but like like a pity Norris maybe yeah sort of along the lines of a pity Norris but not to that extent because this year I feel like the race is a lot more wide open than it has been years like we've seen the pattern over the past five to ten years that there's usually a clear-cut winner of the Norris each year but this year I feel like it's a lot more wide open and Alex Petrangelo despite the fact that it might be classified as a pity Norris he's definitely deserving St. Louis was again dominant both ends of the ice with him on there he plays tough minutes he's a UFA this year that's going to be a really interesting case because he's sort of in that age group where we've seen some bad contracts handed out already to players from his draft class other players I had right there uh the underrated Jared Spurgeon analytics community loves Jared Spurgeon excellent underrated player all the attention's on Ryan Suter in Minnesota, but I think Jared Spurgeon is really the best defenseman there, and Roman Yossi belongs there. But I would still go with Alex Petrangelo. I think he had a great season. We will now shift over to the Vezina. Patrick, we didn't get a vote out of you. Oh, sorry, we did. Okay, sorry, I did have it written down here. Um, Luke, I'll start with you. You went with Ben Bishop in the preseason. Who would you say now? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't blame myself for that at all. Uh, I said Hellebuck. Um, up until recently, like, at the beginning of quarantine, I would have said Rask, which is funny because nothing's changed. Um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being brainwashed, but I think Hellebuck, like, Rask had such a year, but looking at the teams they're on and what they did, um, I, think, well, I think Rask was – 0.929 save percentage, which is like super good. But Hellebuck was close and he, he played more games. He played on Winnipeg and Winnipeg was pretty plagued this year. Um, so I'll say Hellebuck and I feel like that's a pretty popular answer. Yeah, Patrick, I'll go to you. And you had picked Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who would yeah, you be I saying now? I don't blame myself for that one either. Uh, but right now I have Hellebuck. I was looking at some of his numbers and uh, compared to Rask because obviously Rask had an amazing year. Um, he had a 9.22 save percentage, which is right behind Tuka Rask. Obviously Rask has a better uh, defense core and just a better team in front of him. Like we talked about, Winnipeg was had like copious amount of injuries and they struggled a lot. Um, but he did. Um, as far as I as far as I know. He led the league in shutouts. Um, I remember that because I dropped him in fantasy and picked up some crappy defenseman, and then he went on to, to play extremely well. But, yeah, I, I have Hellebuck, and I just think you look at all the all the injuries Winnipeg had, especially on defense. Vinny Hainola, I remember at one point, was playing top minutes. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Hellebuck, and I think that's fair. All right, and uh, I will make it a trio and a boring answer. I went and Connor Hellebuck a while as well. My preseason prediction was Frederick Anderson of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just reckoned that he was going to get a lot of starts, play a lot of important minutes for the Leafs. He's sort of always been the backbone of that team, in my opinion. But obviously, he didn't have the greatest year, nor did the Toronto Maple Leafs. They really fell below expectations. And I think Connor Hellebuck 
Winnipeg's one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They were ripped apart by injuries and lost a couple of key players as UFAs in the offseason. So I feel for Connor Hallibuck. He sees tough matchups, but he excelled. And he's probably the only reason that Winnipeg was even close with the play in qualification. All right, we will now go into one topic that I'm sure Mr. Luke Burrows is very, very passionate about. It's the Calder Trophy, our last player award here. In the preseason, Luke predicted Jack Hughes. Now I have a sneaking suspicion that his new pick is going to still remain in the Hughes family. Uh, Just quickly, I went with Kale McCarr and Patrick went with Quinn Hughes. Luke, I think it's a foregone conclusion who you're going with, but why don't you tell us anyways who your pick for the Calder Trophy is? I think Pat knows. Uh, Pat knows what's up. I, uh, I'm, I'm honest. I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to rant about it. I, I'm, it's Quinn Hughes, and I think it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Cal uh, McCarr is a heck of a player, um, but if you just like, obviously, I watched more Hughes than I watched McCarr, and Hughes is an insane puck moving defenseman. Like you just watch that guy skate. It's like, um, I don't know. Um, I think I, – I don't know who's going to get it. I feel like Makar will, but I really think it should go to Hughes. And that's that's all I'll say. Patrick, for you? Yeah, I – well, obviously. I also – I stuck with uh, Quinton Hughes. Uh, I've said this multiple times. I hate player comparisons, especially at such a young age, but just player comparisons in general. Uh, whenever someone says that A is better than B, they assume you're criticizing B. And, um, no, Kale McCarr is a heck of a player. And I think um, you sent me the maps actually a while ago, uh, uh, Nick, and how he was actually much better offensively and on special teams. But McCarr's defensive numbers are a little bit better. Um, McCarr also generated a bit more chances, partly because Colorado played such an offensive, powerful offensive system. Um, again, yeah, I went with Hughes. I, I love watching him play. I remember I wanted Montreal to get him. Uh, they got a better player, so it doesn't really matter. But I think uh, – What's that? Yeah. Um, I'm not – yeah, I, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a perfect fit, and um, he's so fun to watch. Like, his first game, I remember last year uh, in OT and everything, he was just pretty dynamic. And, yeah. All right. Well, here we are. We're going to get into the fun aspect. Quinn Hughes was second for me, and my preseason prediction, Kill McCarr, was third for me. Was it, I guess? Yeah, sure. Will Caco? Pardon me? Will Capo Caco? Absolutely not. Capo Caco was the, he was a bottom 10 forward in the league this year. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about predictions. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I went with, uh, I, I picked Kel McCart. My first pick right now after the 70 or so games of the regular season, I'm going to pull him up here. It's Mr. Adam Fox of the New York Rangers. Come on. Who, some of you say, no, Adam Fox. What a year Adam Fox had. I think he is one of the most underrated players in the NHL right now, only a year into his career. And we just take a look at his viz right there, offensively and defensively, head and shoulders above the competition, dominant at both ends of the ice. All the New York Rangers hype this year was on Tony D'Angelo and Jacob Truba. But that wasn't the addition or the improvement that they needed. Adam Fox was exactly that. And my heart breaks for Carolina Hurricanes fans as this guy just simply didn't want to play for that team. He went to the big market in New York, got what he wanted. What a year Adam Fox had. I know all the attention is on Hughes and Makar because probably a bit more flashier, each of them. And each of them, you could make the case for them being the best defenseman on the team, whereas the attention on in New York is on the bigger names, and they have a Hart Trophy contender in Artemi Panarin on that team. But Adam Fox was just so underrated this year, and for me was the best rookie in the league, if not one of the best defensemen in the entire NHL this year. I know, Luke, you didn't like that one. Quinn Hughes was still my second pick, but – I think Adam Fox deserves some praise here for an excellent, excellent year. I would just like to add Jacob Truba sucks at hockey. 
Nick and I were talking about this earlier. Jacob. Yeah, Patrick and I had a good discussion uh, about Jacob Truba this week. Again, somebody like Adam Fox is what makes Jacob Truba look good. So I think he deserves some recognition for that reason alone. But he is my Calder pick. Luke, anything else on the Calder? Hashtag vote for Hughes. No, I uh, like Pat said, I would say Hughes is better than Fox. I wouldn't say Fox is a bad player. Um, player comparisons. Yeah, I think I think Hughes will be better than Fox in the long run. I just think in terms of like just one year, I think Fox is the better player, but Hughes is still going to be the better NHL player. All right. Oh, yeah. All right, we're now going to get into some quick management awards. We won't spend too much time on these. Jack Adams Award. This one's very hard to pick always, and it usually ends up being awarded. There's a trend of the most improved team being handed uh, for the coach, the Jack Adams. Let's just get right into it. Patrick, you're Jack Adams' winner. Uh, do you have my prediction or no? We didn't make predictions for these two. Um. I think this one's pretty obvious. Uh, John Torella, I think for everything that happened last year um, and going into this, Aaron, Duchesne, uh, Bobrovsky, Dezingle, uh, unbelievable amount of injuries, Seth Jones being injured, um, and then having just sort of like feel-good stories, Merzlikin stepping in, someone like Nathan Gerby, who had a few games of like, I enjoyed the spotlight or spotlight in uh, Columbus. And I just think, I know people like to dog on John Torella for kind of being pretty edgy and a little, uh, Kurt with the media but I think he seems from an outsider's perspective it seems like he's kind of created a culture of accountability and intensity and I think um, I think other coaches could learn from that and I think I don't know like, I know they struggled and they kind of tailed off in the end of the season but they were trending upwards and now they'll play Toronto in the, in the first or the play-in or the the first seed so I think um, Toronto should shouldn't underestimate them because I think that's a really good team with a good coach. Uh, Luke sorry for you. Um, I had Tortorella, but I'll say my uh, other guy just because Pat said Tortorella. Um, Elaine Vigneault. I I love Vigneault as a coach. First of all, I think he's an incredible coach. Uh, <laughs> Pat loves that piece. Um, I think he's a really good coach. And yeah, like I could see it going to Tortorella too. But if it, like what Vigneault didn't did with that, like they're they're a they're one of the best teams in the league to finish the season. The Philadelphia Flyers, to be specific. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, I was thinking, I wrote, when I did that thing for the Year 5 Collective last year about um, teams getting hot at the end of the season to do well in the playoffs, I think that'd have to be all Philly right now. Like, I, it probably doesn't translate with how everything's different now, but, like, that Philadelphia team just looks so good. So. Yeah, and they deserve a lot. Uh, Elaine Vigneault would be in that conversation for me. They were definitely dominant. Quickly, I also had Bruce Cassidy and Mike Sullivan in the conversation. Bruce Cassidy, just for the overall consistency of Boston, I think he deserves a lot of praise. Mike Sullivan, a lot of injuries in Pittsburgh this year, and they were still just as good. But I'm going to agree with a lot here and say John Tortorella, feel-good story in Columbus for all the reasons that Patrick and Luke, you both said John Tortorella deserves a lot of praise. This one's a bit harder now. The next one, GM of the year. Patrick, I'll go to you again first. Who do you? Who was your best GM this year? Um, I had a hard time with this one. I find this one kind of difficult, but I'll go with Pierre Dorian. I know a lot of times people push towards playoff teams. I know Ken Holland was a popular uh, pick for what? Why am I getting all these looks? <laughs> no, explain. Go for it. Ken Holland was a is obviously the favorite, but I think for all the reasons or a few reasons, just the way. Dorian handled the deadline, the way he sort of created a base for Ottawa, the way he's handled the media in the past couple of years, everything that's happened since the kind of Duchesne thing, uh, the way he's composed and the way he is seemed a little off. And I think now how he's handling the media, how he's assuring Sens fans that there's good things to come, how he absolutely won the deadline. Um, I think he should be in the conversation. I know everyone points to how you, you know, Ken Holland is going to get all this praise for what he did at the deadline to help Edmonton in the playoffs. But I also think understanding where you're at and how you can improve the team in the long run, I think deserves some conversation. So maybe that's a hot take, but I'll stand by it. I think Dorian did a great job and I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done and what he will continue to do for Ottawa um, and build a solid base. So okay, I was going to throw to Luke, but I'll just 
Yeah, yeah no, for me. No um, I won't get too much into Dorian. I really wish I knew you were going to pick Dorian because then we could have <laughs> had a larger conversation about this. Uh, Pierre Dorian, for some of the reasons you said, definitely deserves some praise for how he's handled the situation in Ottawa. There's a man upstairs, obviously giving him some clear-cut directions that are mostly money-motivated. And Pierre Dorian has done a decent job cutting costs for the Senators. And there was a big difference between last two years ago and last season, or this season now, uh, in terms of the play of the Senators. He picked a decent coach in DJ Smith, made some decent pickups with Tyler Ennis, who was traded at the deadline. Bringing in Connor Brown was good. But I still think at the end of the day, stripping down a team for assets is probably one of the easier things that a general manager can do. And even most of the trades that he made, he didn't exactly win. He lucked into a top five pick in the Eric Carlson trade. He made that trade thinking Josh Norris is going to be a third line center. And that pick was going to be in the 25 to 30 range. Whereas both of those have now gotten a little bit better to say the least. Pierre Dorian, okay GM, who really knows for sure because of the man controlling him, but was nowhere near my GM of the year conversation. I said Joe Sackick just because he took the Colorado Avalanche from a 38-win team last year. They were already at 42 when the season was put on pause. And just some of the additions that he made to that team, Andre Burakovsky, Jonas Donskoy, adding them, sort of bolstering that big line and big core with McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog really helps. And the Colorado Avalanche have become a powerhouse in the NHL. And for that reason, I think Joe Sackick definitely deserves a lot of praise this year specifically. Luke, to you. Um, I just want to say I, I don't agree with Patrick's choice, but I won't, I won't uh, go in on that. I had, uh, I had Sackick in brackets, and then I had Ken Holland as, um, as my pick. I, th- I, I really like to see – I mean, I would like to see the end of the regular season play out, but I really want to see how playoffs um, – how the Oilers do in playoffs – with um, with everything that they did on the deadline, I thought they had a really great deadline. Um, so we'll see. But I mean, as of now, I'd say Holland Sakic. Yeah, for the reasons you said too, Nick, he's a good choice. But <sighs> yeah, okay. I was gonna say I was gonna say Colorado has too much talent not to fail, and then I remembered who Edmonton has. So I won't. Yeah. Never... <laughs> uh, one more thing. I just want. I don't think. Um, there's anything wrong with giving a GM credit for how he handled the deadline. Being yeah, sure. No, nothing, nothing wrong with that. And the popular pick would be Ken Holland, seeing as, again, part of the reason he's getting so much credit is because he they were in a good position going into the playoffs and became an even better position. Ottawa, Dorian just did the opposite. Not a good position, and I think he capitalized on that. And I, I think, in a way, it's easy to strip off, you know, players like Peugeot for assets, but I think how Dorian did it, I don't think is that easy because I don't think some GMs would have would have that ability to do that. So for that reason, and I just think for everything that's happened with Ottawa, um, the whole we're a team thing, the, the outdoor game, I think there's finally a shred of hope. And I think it's not a shred. There's a lot of hope, actually. And I think a lot of that has to, has, you have to credit Dorian. Um, I think he's learned a little bit. So We're a team. We're a team. <laughs> um, okay. That was it for the NHL awards, but I think the best take of all is the one that I said in the preseason show, which was to abolish the NHL awards and just do like two of them. Just do the Hart Trophy. I think that was the best take of all because then we didn't have to do this whole episode. We just all had a nice Saturday night off, but no. Uh, We're going to go into the play-in predictions now. We're going to do this, I think, sort of round by round as we go because who the heck knows when or what hockey is going to take place. There's a lot of Positive COVID tests right now. A lot of people really saying that the NHL shouldn't continue. The NHL seems hell-bent on continuing. I'm sure they will continue. But uh, for now, at least, we're going to stick with the predictions theme. And we're just going to go series by series quickly and each give our winner of that play-in, playoff qualification series. I will start with the Eastern Conference matchups. And the first one is the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Patrick, who do you have winning that series? These are best of fives, mind you. Best of five series. Okay. First thing, I haven't thought about this, so this is just rapid fire. Okay, Luke. No, no, no. You're getting my good answers. No, 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 Luke. I can can do this. You're getting getting better answers this way because it's it's right away. I think Toronto is going to win, but I think it's going to be really close, and I think it'll be a tight series, but Toronto will come come out on top. Luke, for you? Uh, I have Toronto 3-1. I think – I think Columbus's goalies could 
maybe make it injuries. That's kind of a theme for me in all of these. I think it really depends on goalies, especially with such a short series. But Toronto's a better team, so I have Toronto. Yeah, I also had Toronto 3-1. I just think the amount of game-breaking talent they have, uh, that's really going to be a theme. The game-breaking talent's really going to have to come through here for all of these teams that I've picked. The same thing goes with the goaltending because I've seen, I think we've seen it in other sports that have continued, like all the different soccer leagues over in Europe. Teams have had a hard time getting right into the thick of things, and it's been mostly on a sort of couple of key players for each soccer team. And I think in hockey, the goalie has the easiest job in this. They just have to stop the puck, whereas players have to keep uh, readjusting to systems, the pace of play that they were at before. So I think that's going to be another common theme for me as well as the goaltending and the, just the individual game-breaking talent. But I'll stick with Toronto 3-1. Pittsburgh and Montreal. Patrick, is Montreal going to do it? I know you don't want them to do it, but are they going to do it? Knowing how they – stop laughing, Luke. Knowing how they function as a team, how they play amazing against top teams, it's a possibility. But since I'm banking on a good draft pick, I'll say Pittsburgh 3-1. I do think Montreal's going to win a game. Price is definitely going to steal a game. I don't think – I think that's almost inevitable. That, so, what I, I think – so, I have Pittsburgh. I have Pittsburgh 3-0. I think whoever wins game one is going to win the series. Um like again, five like all, three games. You could play three games, and the series is over. All you need is Carey Price to be hot for three games. It's not a lot to ask, especially from a guy like him. I still have Pittsburgh, but I if Montreal wins Game One, I could see them sweeping too. So who knows? Uh, I also had Pittsburgh three nothing, Luke. I just think Crosby and Malkin, if they're healthy, if they're ready to go, if they're not COVID positive, are going to be able to break open the Montreal Canadiens who sort of looked out of sorts as the season was going on. And I think it's going to be a hard adjustment to them getting back into the thick of things. The New York Islanders and Florida Panthers, it's a really interesting series. I'll go to Luke first this time. Luke, who did you have? Why do you say that? Cause I, I couldn't care less about this series. Like I it's just, really even. That's why it feels it is, even. It even. It's just two under. Well, two teams that Florida underperformed. I, you could argue the Islanders too. Um, I don't know. I have the Islanders three one, but I it could go either way. And honestly, I don't really care that much. I had the Panthers three one. I just think Bobrovsky might finally come alive in some way. I think Florida Florida has the better goalie to bank on although the islanders have had great goaltending the past two years but i can't count out the impact players that florida have patrick for you yeah i have the islanders three nothing actually i uh i don't know barry trotz plays uh, has an excellent system their goaltending has been great and they have a bit more playoff experience in the past couple years than the florida panthers do not that it, i guess it doesn't really matter well maybe it does i don't even know but uh it's hard to tell when there's no fans but i just I don't really care. Also, that's going to be <laughs> like yeah, I agree. About, but I think I want the Islanders to win, and I just have a feeling that with Trot's system and and how they play consistently well, despite not being that good of a team, that they'll that they'll win it. All right, maybe this is the most even one. It's Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers. I have the New York Rangers winning. 3-1. Breaks my heart to say it because I think the Hurricanes are great, but that one is purely on goaltending for me. I'm not convinced Carolina has the goaltending that's going to be able to beat the New York Rangers who have two young, good goalies right now and the always dependable Henrik Lundqvist in that. So I have them winning the series 3-1. to one. Luke? Um, yeah, I agree. Rangers 3-1. Uh, for those reasons as well, like I've said for like every other round, it's, it's going to be goalies. Um, what's also interesting the Rangers were 4-0 uh, in the season series with Carolina this year. Wow. Yeah, no, so they might have their number. Patrick. Yep, same here. Uh, Rangers 3-1, I think, just how much they were pushing going into the, uh, the, end, this, the end of the season. I thought that worked to their advantage, and I think they, uh, they'll do well. And Panarin in the playoffs is pretty solid, so I don't want to bet against him. Yep, our Tammy Panarin, that was our unanimous heart trophy pick. So we'll see how he can do against the Hurricanes. Over to the Western side of things, all-Canadian matchup between the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets. I have the Winnipeg Jets winning this series 3-2. to two. I think Connor Hellebuck is going to totally steal this thing. Patrick? I'll go Edmonton, I think, 3-1. to one. 
Yeah, this is not Edmonton. This is Calgary and Winnipeg. Um, Calgary and Winnipeg. Yeah, I would go. Uh, I'd go Winnipeg. I think probably three to one. I don't know. I, I don't know why I thought you said Edmonton, but uh, yeah, I would go. I'd go Winnipeg. Hellebuck. Did I say Edmonton? I don't know. Luke, who do you have? I had my Winnipeg pick ready. Um, I have Winnipeg three nothing. I just I don't see anything Calgary has that Winnipeg doesn't really, um, especially with with four or whatever months off for Winnipeg that can only do good things. So yeah, I have Winnipeg. Uh, now over to the Edmonton and Chicago series. Patrick, I'll start this one with you since we uh, just touched on Edmonton briefly there. I'm assuming you have the Oilers? Um, <laughs> actually. Oh, hang on. It's like, yes. No, because I, I don't know why. I th- sorry, I, I, I misheard. But, yeah, I'll go Edmonton 3 nothing because I think they would just win it. But I said this a couple shows ago um, that – Obviously, I watched a little bit of Chicago. Nick, you obviously watched a heck of a lot more than I did. But I would have be hard-pressed to bet against Kane and Taves. Um, I think playoff experience, even though it's going to be different, if it, if it even happens uh, in August or, sorry, um, October, then uh, I think Chicago could be tougher than people realize. Luke, for you? Um, I have Edmonton 3-2. I agree. I think Chicago will be tougher than people really like yeah that's that's not going to be an easy series but I everything looking at everything I I feel like you kind of you kind of have to go Edmonton I don't want to bet against Kane and Taves either but I will so okay I think like anybody's gonna predict it's all gonna come to Chicago's ability to shut down Dreisaitl and McDavid I still think I can't like I purely couldn't bet against Kane and Taves and the Chicago core I'm going to go with Chicago winning that series 3-2. I think it's going to be the tightest of the bunch but because those teams seem really even on paper, sort of. But Edmonton obviously has better game-breaking talent at this point uh, with Dreisweidel and McDavid being at the points of their careers that they are. But I do think Chicago and their experience pulls it off. Vancouver and Minnesota, one of particular interest for Mr. Luke Burrows. I will start with you then, my good sir. Vancouver three, Minnesota zero, and I don't actually have any notes on that. So that's my prediction, and I think it's a good one. Luke, or sorry, you're Luke. Patrick. Vancouver three, Minnesota two. Um, I just have a hunch. <laughs> I think that <laughs> Minnesota, near the end of the year, uh, Kevin Fiala was playing – fantastic hockey Jonas Brodeen playing very well their underlying numbers are surprisingly decent for a team that is so bloody mediocre and I think um looking at their matchups this year a lot of the games that Minnesota Vancouver played were actually pretty close and I think that will be a tight series I know you mentioned Minton Chicago but I think this can be another tight series and you know what maybe who knows maybe Minnesota beats Vancouver you never know all right well I'm gonna see mine and then go into hiding from Luke Minnesota 3-1. They were playing outstanding down the stretch. And I think the pause in particular affects Vancouver, one of the worst out of all the teams, because they looked like they were going to get in there, going to squeeze in that Pacific division or in the wild card spot. And I feel like the pause really affects a team like them. And I really feel for them, but I think Minnesota pulls this off. It's a really strange series because like you said, Patrick, Minnesota is just so bloody mediocre, but I don't know. I just have a feeling with that one that Minnesota is able to pull it off. Sorry, Luke. Can I add, um, when the season paused, Vancouver was third in the Pacific in points percentages, if I'm not incorrect. Yep, they were. And it, like we had discussed earlier, they should have definitely gone with the percentage take on this and had Vancouver in, but... Well, no, I think we they are. did. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When you said it looked like Vancouver was going to squeak into a wild card, I would maybe say it looked like. Yeah, Vancouver no, I, I said I said like they were going to squeeze into the playoffs or sleep down to the wild card, whatever one came first. I think they were definitely a playoff team, though. Patrick, you first have your hand raised. I think for Minnesota, people got so used to calling them just like they are mediocre. We'll call it what it is. People almost started to underestimate how 
they actually played some good hockey. Like yep. next Fiala was insane. Um, Jonas Brodin, I don't think that's going to be a sweep by Vancouver. I th- I'm actually kind of looking forward to that series. Um, so we shall see. Yeah, it's mostly, I think, Minnesota's defense versus Vancouver's forwards. And just based on how, like I said right off the top, how things I think they're going to go, I'm going to bet on the defense. Last one, Nashville and Arizona. I have Arizona winning this 3-1 to one because Arizona's been my hipster pick forever. Nashville was a disaster for a lot of parts this year. I think Arizona has the better goaltending. Auntie Ranta, Pecorine, very, very questionable all year and usually is in the playoffs. Who do you guys have? I'll start with Patrick. I have Nashville, um, 3-0. Uh, playoff experience that team. Um, again, I think there's something to be said about teams that struggle. Obviously, Arizona did as well, but kind of forgetting that going into the playoffs. Um, I like, I just like the team. Uh, Arizona, since getting Hall, still kind of struggled a little bit, not to put that on Hall, but I think Nashville's playoff experience and I think just the way they play will put them over the edge. I don't have a lot of notes on that. It's more of a gut feeling than anything else, but I'll stick with Nashville for now. And Luke, to finish us off. Uh, Nashville, 3-2. I, I think both these teams were kind of a mess this year um, in different ways. Nashville Nashville shouldn't be dropping off yet, and they kind of look like they are. I, don't, I forget who I was talking about this the other day. But Nashville, it looked like they were – in the past few years, it looked like they were about to tip over from being really good and tip over into the group of, like, the elite teams of of the past, of, like, recent history, like Pittsburgh, L.A., Chicago, teams like that. I thought they were going to make it. They've somehow taken a step back. But, on the other hand, Arizona just had a wacky year. They should be good. Um, they're not. You can maybe – um, chalk that up to injuries, but I don't know. I have Nashville 3-2. All right. Well, the good news is for Arizona, they have Taylor Hall, so even if they don't win, they're going to win the draft lottery and draft Alexi Lafreniere. Ha, ha, ha. Anyways, that just about does it for our predictions and reflections episode. So if you guys don't have anything else to add, I think we're good here for today. All good. All right. Well, hopefully we'll catch you soon with some more NHL news. There's a lot more starting to come out now these days so we'll be back likely within the next week with another episode fresh topics again some key dates coming up in the nhl sooner rather than later so maybe we'll get into that hopefully thank you for listening as always please don't be mean to us because our predictions were bad and don't be mean to us later when the predictions we just made now all are bad so yeah thanks for listening see you later